Okay, it's welcome in vaccine researcher, family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel joins us here on Global News Radio. Dr. Gorfinkel, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Okay, we're over a thousand cases today in the province. First question, why are we moving in the wrong direction? Is this due to the appearance of Omicron or is there something else at play here, do you think? We got, this is totally predictable. First of all, you look over the pond at what's happening in Europe and we see a similar pattern just come the winter. Nope, it's not Omicron yet. We can't blame it. Maybe we'll be able to in a few weeks, but for now it's all Delta for the most part. Yeah, Canada has about 23 cases. Yes, we're very concerned that that may be more transmissible, but we don't even know that just yet. Right now it's mainly Delta and it's still, a a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So where are the cases rising? If you take a look, it's practically all in people who have not even had one dose, which is quite incredible. Over the last couple of weeks, those numbers have more than doubled in Ontario. Very concerning. Even though the same number of tests were done. So it's not a question of we're testing more, we're actually not. Case numbers are going up, and especially in those who've never had a single shot. All right. So does this surge, do you think this surge automatically means more restrictions? Well, you know, it's interesting. So this is public health 101. Do not inflict anything on anybody unless you have to until you have to. Does that work in a pandemic? No. What happens is that means we're always and forever, and this has been our pattern, reactive instead of proactive. The problem, though, is that if we're not proactive, we know case counts are going to go skyrocketing. So that's the thing, finding that right balance between calling it and not. So Ontario is holding back a little bit. We're not, you know, getting rid of our vaccine passports so fast. We're not opening things up widely so quickly. You know, I think we're bracing for wave five here. All right. Well, it's been a week, obviously, since you and I have spoke, and that can be an eternity when it comes to the pandemic, as we know. So can you give us the uh, latest when it comes to the new variant to uh, Omicron? Do we know anything more about it? So this is the deal. Omicron has 32 mutations in its spike protein, 26 of which are brand new. And why is that a problem? Because when the protein changes, the vaccine that aims at that protein may not be as effective. And that's the big concern. That's the billion dollar question, which is still unanswered. You know, we see case counts rise at a phenomenal rate. They're skyrocketing in South Africa. One month ago, there were some 116 cases. Now, just one month later, 16 and a half thousand cases. That's 140 times increase in the space of one short month. So does that mean it's way more transmissible, more contagious? It's possible, but we don't know that. Other explanations, you know, for every 10 Canadians vaccinated, there is only one South African vaccinated. So they've got a lot of struggles on their plate. They're dealing with serious vaccine hesitancy, serious public distrust, and why wouldn't they, given its history of apartheid? And they've got other problems as well, not enough folks to give out the vaccines and problems with supply chains and cold storage. 
Sure. Do we know any more when it comes to the new variant and the severity of the symptoms? Because we've been seeing some reports that uh, the symptoms uh, actually are not uh, that bad. They're fairly mild. It's just a body ache, uh, maybe a, a mild uh, temperature. So are we thinking, do we believe that the Omicron strain is not that severe when it comes to side effects or symptoms? Well, we're doing the same prayers we always have to big data, and the big data simply is not yet here. So we don't actually know the answer to that just yet. Not surprisingly, the initial reports coming out of South Africa would be that it appears to be mild disease, but we can't really trust in that. We have to look at the big data of hospitalizations and outcomes, and that's going to take at least a couple of weeks to try to get and better understand. Never mind, we don't even know how effective our current vaccines are. That's a whole nother question. We've got two types of data that will help tell us that. One is looking at what's going on in South Africa and basically asking the question, did vaccinated South Africans do any better than those who were not vaccinated and looking at the data? The other way is in the laboratory, and that's what Pfizer and Moderna are trying to better understand. All right. If we're at a thousand cases and we're going to delve into the vaccines here in just a moment, but I wanted to ask you if we're at a thousand cases today here in the province of Ontario, and that is really without uh, Omicron, and we are expecting that to uh, take hold. And we got modeling from the province yesterday that said, uh, worst case scenario, 3,000 cases uh, per day. And again, they're also not including the new variant in the latest modeling, Dr. Gorfinkel. I mean, where are we at uh, right now? Where do you expect the caseload, the case count uh, to head? And how concerned should we be about hospitalization and ICU capacity? I think the thing to do is not allow pandemic fatigue to get in the way of good health practices. I'm deeply concerned about it. Everybody is so sick and tired of the masks so sick and tired of the constant hand washing, the social distancing, especially with the holidays coming up. But what Omicron is teaching us is we cannot let go of the mitigation. The mitigation matters and it matters a lot. All those HVAC systems, making sure that our pods still remain small in spite of the low numbers. You take a look across the pond, as I say, we know that a wave five is going to happen. The question is to what degree? And as I said, we're still doing the same number of tests, and what we're seeing is higher test positivity. And why is that? Because we're gathering indoors, we're shoulder to shoulder. And never mind, we still have a significant number of people who remain unvaccinated. Uh, when we talk about uh, capacity uh, limits, uh, a lot of people are looking at schools right now, the capacity uh, there and whether or not some of them uh, should remain open. And of course, uh, we're trying to catch up when you talk about uh, vaccines and vaccination rates, Dr. Gorfinkel. You know, we're playing some catch up here, if you will, because the pediatric vaccine was just recently uh, approved. Just how critical is it to get those needles into arms ages 5 to 11 to stop uh, the transmission and this uh, climb in uh, the case count? So let's break it up. We've got Delta, which is still the vast, vast majority of what we're seeing, well over 99%. And what about that group? The age 5 to 11 does represent a very significant population that could transmit the disease, and especially as we're going into holidays. You know, they're going to be congregating, not only with their parents, but with grandparents. And both of those populations have declining immunity because chances are, just saying, they probably haven't had that dose three just yet. 
that booster shot, which is known to take the efficacy from 45% to mild to moderate disease all the way back up to 95%. So that booster shot is hugely important. And if you ask me, we're in a race at this point to get booster shots into arms. And we're in that race for two reasons, not only to keep Delta down, but to give us the best chance we have against Omicron. All right. I want to ask you to, before we take the break here about rapid tests as well, Dr. Gorfinkel, because it's in the headlines uh, today. There's a lot of pressure on the Ford government to make them more available and uh, for them not to uh, cost uh, those in the province, Ontario families. We do know that rapid tests are being sent home with school children for the uh, holiday uh, break here in the uh, province. But uh, just how crucial is rapid tests and getting rapid tests into uh, families' uh, hands uh, moving forward? I was absolutely thrilled to hear that. You know, so the promise, five tests, five chickens in every pot, five tests in every school-aged hand by the time December end comes around. So they're gonna be given five tests. Let's hope that actually happens. I can tell you my patients, they are struggling big time. And what happens? As soon as there's a sniffly nose, a sore throat, a bit of a fever, they're scrambling to get that test. And what's their option? You got to run off to get the PCR test, which can take up to two days, during which time the person has to isolate, which is not easy for a working parent. I am absolutely thrilled about these tests. I think they're long in coming, and I'm thrilled that they're finally coming. All right, got to get a break. When we come back, we'll ask Dr. Gorfinkel about uh, Pfizer. They have provided an update on their vaccine when it comes to Omicron, plus some exciting work on a couple of fronts, actually, right here in Canada on new vaccines. We'll talk to Dr. Gorfinkel about that right after this break here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink. 